0: Warning, Seriously Strange covers topics that may frighten or disturb you. Viewer discretion is advised. If walls could talk, they would probably tell us about what you don't see behind closed doors. The obsessions of humans, their darkest desires, along with their blood and violence. With the passage of time, those things are often lost to history. But sometimes tragedy leaves a mark so dark, so tragic and brutal that those from beyond the grave are rumored to relive their worst memories and haunt the living to ensure that they are never forgotten. Hospitals are where we go when we seek medical help for injury or disease, but it is also where many people live their final moments and pass away. But the pain experienced within the many halls and surgery rooms isn't always voluntary, and such was the case for Chung Yee Hospital in Singapore. The hospital was built by the British government in 1935 to serve their military occupation while in Singapore. But during World War II, the Japanese secret police invaded and would write a much darker chapter for the hospital's history. The secret police, known as the Kempei Thai, had a reputation for their inhumane militia tactics, starving and torturing prisoners of war, raping women, and killing any who opposed them. So it should have been no surprise when they turned the Chungyi Yi Hospital into a nightmarish prison camp. Prisoners were executed in the masses, and many had their hands cut off and impaled on iron stakes driven into the ground. The Kempei Tai also turned one of the hospital rooms into a torture chamber, embedding large chains into the walls and using two concrete stubs to inflict pain on their victims. Those unfortunate enough to enter the Chung Yi hospital often died there, and it seems some never left. Since its abandonment in 1997, curious urban explorers and filmmakers claim that the empty building isn't so empty. They often report hearing disembodied screams and whispers accompanied by loud bangs and claim to have seen shadow people, apparitions of slain soldiers and a young boy, along with strange lights. But perhaps most disturbing is the apparition of a woman with a black aura, captured by a film crew in 2010 while shooting the mockumentary. Haunted Cheng Yi. The grounds of the hospital have been fenced in, but there is a virtual 3D tour you can find online that allows you to explore much of what remains of the Cheng Yi hospital. What seemed like a paradise for the intellectually impaired, the Penhurst home for the feeble-minded and epileptic in Spring City, Pennsylvania, was a sprawling facility with its own hospital, firehouse, general store, auditorium, and even movie theater. The facility was built to house 10,000 patients in hopes of keeping them happy, healthy, and treating them for their various illnesses. But patients in the Penhurst State School felt more like prisoners. Ever since opening its doors in 1908, Penhurst endured accusations of abuse towards patients, including sexual assault, and some were said to have been murdered by the staff. Small children were left in their cribs with minimal human contact for years at a time. Electroshock therapy was used, which rendered patients unconscious and caused convulsions for up to 30 seconds. The school even had its own morgue, which made it even easier to dispose of those who died from neglect. A school that was supposed to protect and care for residents caused their greatest suffering. It wasn't until the 1980s that the conditions of the school were seriously investigated and, unsurprisingly, Penhurst was found to be inhumane and dangerous. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania stated that the facility didn't deliver on its promise to educate and care for its residents, but most patients had seen a deterioration in well-being since arriving. Penhurst State School closed its doors in 1986, and over time it's been left for the vandals, with many of the buildings deteriorating. In 2010, one of the many buildings was renovated and is home to a Halloween attraction. But no imitation can fully match the horror of what transpired at Penhurst. The Akershus Castle in Oslo, Norway, was constructed as a mighty fortress, meant to keep harm out, but now many feel much safer outside than in. The fortress has been around since the 1290s and has seen the likes of many sieges and battles before becoming a prison in the 18th and 19th centuries. Some of the prisoners were even rented out as slaves to work for the rich in the city, and the harsh conditions led to the death of many inmates but its darkest point in history came with the Nazi invasion in World War II. German occupiers overtook the fortress in 1940 following the evacuation of Oslo, and it became a killing ground for political enemies of the Third Reich. Even after the war ended and the Norwegians regained Akershus Castle, it continued to see bloodshed as it became the place where traitors and those convicted of war crimes were executed. Around the time it was built, there were rumors that a dog was buried alive at the entrance of the fortress in hopes that it would become a vengeful spirit and stand guard over the gates. While this has never been confirmed, many have claimed to see the canine known as the Vicious Dog, and it is believed that seeing the dog means you will meet your end within the next 90 days. This is in addition to reports of a terrifying faceless woman who wanders the grounds. The fortress is still operated by the Norwegian military, but the public can visit until 9pm when it starts to get dark. Slavery was a sinister part of American history, and some believe the victims endured their pain and suffering long into the afterlife at places such as Myrtle's Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Built in 1796 by David Bradford, the plantation allegedly lies above an ancient burial ground for the Tunica Indians. It was later passed on to David's son-in-law, Judge Clark Woodruff. The judge had a number of slaves working to keep the plantation running, but he had eyes for his children's governess, a French mulatto woman only known as Chloe. While the existence of Chloe is debated, legend speculates that Clark caught the governess eavesdropping on a business meeting, and enraged, he cut off her ear and ended the affair. In revenge, she baked a cake laced with poison and served it to Clark's wife and two daughters for the eldest daughter's birthday, killing all three of them. The slaves of the plantation were outraged by the governess's murder and hanged her from one of the many trees on the property. Since then, there have been numerous sightings of Chloe, including a famous photo thought to have captured the governess's ghostly figure. Many visitors report seeing the ghosts of Clark's daughters playing on the veranda and peeking out from the window's curtains. All of this is according to legend, however. Visitors have reported at least 12 regular apparitions seen on the plantation, but there has only been one confirmed murder in its entire history, that of attorney William Drew Winter, who lived at Myrtle's plantation in the mid-1800s. William was shot on his front porch by a stranger, where he collapsed and crawled up to the 17th step of the inside staircase before dying in his wife's arms. Some claim to hear Williams' final footsteps on the stairs as well as the piano playing when no one is around. But this is the tamest of the activity around the house. Reports cover everything from sounds to apparitions, slaves appearing and inquiring about chores, a Confederate soldier pacing the porch, a chanting voodoo priestess, a dancer dressed in black ballet attire, and an Indian woman lounging under the gazebo, not wearing anything at all. While the plantation's past has seen its fair share of turmoil and injustice, the current owners who operate the property as a bed and breakfast say that they feel their unseen company maintains their southern hospitality, even from the afterlife. Saloons and bars are places we often associate with laughter and merriment, but the White Eagle Saloon in Portland, Oregon carries a different connotation. After all, it is nicknamed the Bucket of Blood, and with good reason. It was originally built in 1899 by Polish immigrants to serve the growing Polish community. But following the industrialization of the area, you were more likely to run into a factory worker or a sailor inside, and they weren't just there to enjoy their drinks. As the patrons became a rougher crowd, the owners of the bar saw another means for profit and began operating a brothel out of the basement offering black, Asian, and South American adolescents who some speculate were kidnapped and forced into sex slavery. But it wasn't just the women who suffered. Many of the men who entered the saloon never came out. Fighting broke out constantly, and many of the brawls ended in murder. To try and control this problem, the owners hired a bouncer, but he mysteriously disappeared while in the saloon one night and was never seen again. Some believe he was shanghaied through one of the underground tunnels and forced to work on ships who needed the men, but didn't have the money to pay. This was a common practice in the White Eagle Saloon, and murder seemed as abundant as as the drinks, the women, and the young girls. The White Eagle Saloon is still run as a bar and a small hotel, but some guests find it hard to get a good night's sleep, even after indulging in one too many drinks. Some feel an invisible force holding them down on the bed, while other customers claim to hear faint music when there should be none, and witness doors open and slam on their own. Perhaps the strangest phenomenon is when people feel coins fall on them from the ceiling. But you can't expect much less from Portland's most haunted ex-brothel and saloon. Home is where the heart is, but it's also where we keep our darkest secrets. The Monte Cristo Homestead is a Victorian mansion built in 1885 in June, Australia by Christopher Crowley and has been described as the number one most haunted house in all of Australia due to the many deaths rumored to have occurred within its walls. A stable boy was said to have burned to death in a tragic fire, and one of the housekeepers kept his mentally unstable son tied to the outhouse for over 20 years. Christopher Crowley's family lived in the Monte Cristo until 1948, after which it remained empty until 1963, when it was purchased by Reg and Olive Ryan, who restored it to its current condition. It was believed the renovation was done in an attempt to silence or end the hauntings. Unfortunately for Reg and Olive, it didn't quite work. Currently operating as a museum, antique store, and tourist attraction, guests claim to hear footsteps in empty rooms and hallways. Tenants of the home have reported hearing their name being called while alone in the house. But if that isn't enough, some guests have even reported being touched or pushed by the spirits. One of the rumored ghosts was a maid to Christopher Crowley and his family, who was supposedly pregnant with Christopher's child. Some believe she jumped over a balcony railing committing suicide, while others believe she was pushed, either by Christopher, angered by the evidence of his affair, or by his wife, Elizabeth, who had discovered her husband's infidelity. Or was this an act of the supernatural? Another caretaker claims a baby girl she was looking after was pushed from her arms and thrown downstairs by an angry spirit. Despite all of the paranormal activity, Olive Ryan continues to live at the Monte Cristo over 50 years after first setting foot inside. When a building is over 850 years old, it's bound to have a bizarre and potentially dark history. And the ancient Ram Inn of Gloucestershire, England, has never forgotten its twisted past. The inn was originally built in the year 1145 by priests to serve as a holding place for the slaves who were building St. Mary's Church. But long before it housed slaves and long before the inn was built, the land was allegedly the site of a 5,000-year-old burial ground where children were sacrificed After serving the church, the inn reportedly became a place of devil worship in the 1500s and the site where a witch was burned at the stake. The Ram Inn changed hands several times before the current owners, John Humphreys and his daughter Caroline, purchased the condemned property in 1968 and moved in. On the very first night the Humphreys spent in their new home, John was dragged from his bed and across the room by an unseen force, and Caroline would often sleep outside petrified to stay in her room after witnessing a chest of drawers levitating above her bed. John planned on renovating the house, but decided otherwise after finding a grave in the basement filled with small bones and daggers. Since then, the Humphreys have turned the house into a bed and breakfast, but many of their guests have restless nights. There have been numerous reports of people being held down by what is believed to be an incubus, a sex demon, and being woken in the night by screaming children. The apparition of a young murdered girl named Rosie is also frequently spotted. Floating furniture and a number of other frights have sent guests fleeing in the middle of the night in terror, sometimes resorting to jumping out of windows to escape. There are an estimated 20 paranormal presences that reside in the ancient Ram Inn, and though the property has no shortage of attention, John and Caroline Humphrey say they know it will be impossible to sell and have come to terms with living amongst the spirits within. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings From haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9pm Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Stopping in any normal hotel usually guarantees you will see the morning, but that's not the case with the Cecil Hotel. Built by wealthy hotelier William Banks Hanner in 1924, the Cecil saw short-lived success before the Great Depression caused business to plummet. In order to retain some sort of profit, the hotel was forced to operate as a budget hotel, offering cheap rooms to anyone who could pay, and oftentimes that meant letting in some pretty bad company. In 1947, the Cecil was rumored to be the last place that Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia, was seen before she was brutally murdered, cut in half, drained of blood, and mutilated. Throughout the 50s and 60s, the Cecil became a hotspot for suicides, with the most notable occurring in 1962, when 27-year-old Pauline Otten jumped from nine stories up and landed on passerby George Gianni killing both of them instantly. Goldie Osgood, known as the Pigeon Woman, was found murdered in her 7th floor room, and years later in 1985, infamous serial killer Richard Ramirez occupied one of the Cecil's rooms the entire duration of his 13 killings. Richard was followed by copycat killer Jack Unterveger, who stayed at the Cecil in 1991 for 5 weeks. And more recently, in 2013, 21-year-old student Elisa Lamb was found dead on the roof in the hotels water tanks under extremely bizarre and suspicious circumstances. Her death to this day is considered unsolved by many who know the story. The most recent tragedy occurred in June 2015 when a 28-year-old man was found dead on the sidewalk after purposefully jumping to his death from his room. Even though the Cecil came under new ownership in 2007 and has officially changed its name to the Stay on the Main Hotel to try and disassociate itself from its notorious past, it is still plagued by murders and suicide and can't seem to escape its dark past. It is believed the building is haunted by those who have checked in and never checked out of the Cecil Hotel. Houses normally must harbor gruesome and violent pasts for them to be considered haunted, but one mansion feels as though it has been cursed from the very beginning. In the late 1880s, a man named Sylvester Pierce built a massive mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts, nearly 7,000 square feet. It had 10 bedrooms and took a labor force of 100 men to construct over the course of a year and a half. But just weeks after moving in, Sylvester's wife, Susan, succumbed to an illness and passed away. More strife followed the Pierce family after Sylvester's death in 1888 when his children argued over who should take over the estate and the family's chair business. But when the Great Depression hit, things only went downhill. The youngest son of Sylvester, Edward Pierce, was forced to turn the family mansion into a boarding home to make ends meet, and the residents often stumbled around in drunken stupors, gambling amongst one another and bringing prostitutes to their rooms nightly. The mansion's reputation slowly crumbled as rumors of a prostitute being strangled to death in the infamous Red Room came to light, along with the death of a man who was believed to have been a victim of spontaneous combustion, his death certificate resting on the mantle right beside where he died. There were also whispers of a young boy who drowned in the basement. Still, the Victorian mansion has had no shortage of guests, even seeing the likes of President Calvin Coolidge and Norman Rockwell within its walls. But many who stayed there felt unsettled by the chanting, disembodied voices, and the sounds of footsteps on the stairs and down the halls, along with the angry yells of Sylvester himself, so loud that the walls shook. Out of the corner of their eyes, some caught glimpses of shadow people, felt the sudden chill in a cold spot, or the disgust of a foul odor. Full-bodied apparitions are common, along with furniture and objects moving of their own accord, and some people report even being touched or pushed while at the top of the staircase. It's said that this notorious red room is one of the most common places to experience violent paranormal occurrences, women sometimes leaving the room with claw marks on their skin, bleeding. Later owners were so tormented by the activity they were unable to live in the house, claiming that the spirits there were attempting to overtake and possess them. The mansion is currently owned by Dark Carnival, who plans to turn the house into a Halloween attraction. Just a quick note, I've actually been inside this particular house. While I don't like to definitively state anything for certain, and I believe each individual person should have their own experience before believing anything, there have been plenty of things that happened in that mansion that I can't explain. I know the previous owners of the building and they allowed me to film an episode of Seriously Strange inside some time ago, and you can find that episode if you're interested linked in the description below. In the early 1900s, a tuberculosis plague swept across the nation, taking lives in numbers that made some fear the end of the world was upon them. Normal hospitals became breeding grounds to spread the disease, so it only made logical sense to quarantine the infected in special facilities. Louisville, Kentucky seemed like the perfect place, as it had one of the highest tuberculosis death rates in the entire nation in 1900. Thus, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium was built, but with the number of cases of tuberculosis increasing, doctors quickly found themselves overcrowded and understaffed. A second and much larger building was quickly constructed and completed in 1926, but the number of sick patients coming in was simply overwhelming. Soon, every ward was overcrowded, with many in the children's wing left unattended and uncared for for hours on end. But just as fast as Waverly was admitting patients, it was losing them. Hundreds were wheeled down an underground death chute in secrecy so as to avoid alarming the other patients with the massive number of deaths, which some estimate climbed as high as 63,000 at Waverly alone. People weren't just dying of tuberculosis, as a strange curse seemed to inhabit the fifth floor of the hospital. One nurse was found hanging from a light fixture in room 502. She would committed suicide after rumors spread that she was pregnant, unmarried, and had contracted tuberculosis herself. Another nurse who worked in room 502 jumped from the rooftop, plummeting 70 feet to her death, and some believe she was pushed. In addition, the patients were suffering more than they needed to as doctors conducted experimental treatments on the infected. Patients were exposed to ultraviolet light and often left out on open-air porches, even in frigid conditions. Some doctors surgically inserted inflated balloons into patients' lungs in hopes of allowing more oxygen into their system, while others had multiple ribs removed, with obviously bloody and sometimes deadly results. But in 1943, there was some relief when the antibiotic for tuberculosis was discovered and circulated. The number of sick decreased so greatly over the next 20 years that Waverly Hills was able to close its doors in 1961. Unfortunately, the suffering didn't end there, as the sanatorium was reopened the very next year as a nursing home where patients endured incredibly painful electroshock therapy and neglect by staff until 1982, when finally Waverly was closed. For good. Since then, Waverly Hills has become a paranormal hotspot, destination for ghost hunters and enthusiasts alike. Many who wander the now empty halls hear the footsteps and screams of the spirits that have already passed on, in addition to the sounds of coffins being dropped and a woman crying out for help. Some feel inexplicably cold in certain areas, and others claim to have had objects hurled at them with no visible cause behind them. And there's no shortage of apparitions, including the shadows and a ghost girl with no eyes. The Waverly Hills Sanatorium still carries its massive death toll and is thought to be one of the most haunted places in the world. The current owners, Tina and Charlie Mattingly, hope to keep its history alive by holding haunted house tours every Halloween and by using the money to fund the restoration of the building.
1: Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Seriously Strange podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange Podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange Podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says Support the Show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way, because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.